Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. I'm Dana Zook. I am joined today with two guests. We are here in the Oklahoma County Extension Office. Josh Campbell is here with me. He is the Oklahoma County Urban Ag Educator. Is that right, Josh? Yeah, I think my official title is Urban Ag and Natural Resources oh. Educator. That's Just great. I'm glad do you whatever needs to be done. Okay. And then Brad Seacraw, he's a Cleveland County Ag Educator. Is that right? Yes, that okay. is. I, I have the boring, less I common. know. My, my title isn't <laughs> So we're here to address water, urban water use or water use in lawns or just, you know, we're, we're talking about irrigation, okay? And so before we dive in, let's get a little background. Josh, you go first. Um, tell us a little bit about maybe where you grew up and, and how you came to OSU Extension. Um, and then we'll get Brad over here. Okay. The full life story is I started <laughs> out in Arkansas. Um, <laughs> so I, I grew up in, in mostly in Northwest Arkansas ended up family moving to Oklahoma as I was in middle school, high school years, and then ended up going to school at OSU, found my way into extension kind of um, as an opportunity that presented itself. It was not something I set out to, to do mm -hmm. necessarily, but um, really have, have loved the time I've spent in extension. I've been in uh, OSU extension for seven years, seven and a half years, uh, four of which have been here in Oklahoma County. And then before that, I spent about three and a half years in Stillwater at the Department of Horticulture and Landscape Architecture working under some of the faculty in that department on irrigation and water issues. Okay. I always like to get people's real background, Josh. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes it makes people uncomfortable, but that's okay. So <laughs> Brad, let's hear your background. Speaking of uncomfortable, no, um, <laughs> no, uh, originally from Wisconsin. And so um, the one of the Yankees in the group? I don't know. I was like, oh, he's a Yankee. Oh, I can't even listen oh. to him now. It's okay. I'm from you Nebraska. Know, so like, it's not, right. I, not... I love both of your accents. <laughs> I had to work hard to get rid of my Arkansas accent. So. Oh. Oh. You actually had to work. Oh, shoot. I, I I don't know. Every once in a while, I just pull out the old, you know, oh. You, don't you know? You know? Don't, no. Yeah. <laughs> you put on my boots and get in the boat and have a good time with all my friends. Yep. I watch the Packers on TV. <laughs> um, you know, something like that. So. Uh, yeah, grew up in Wisconsin, um, went to University of Wisconsin, uh, dairy science degree, um, grew up on a dairy farm, of course, that's that's the path of all people who grew up on dairy farms is to get a dairy science degree, right? Worked for industry a little while, uh, decided to um, join the Air Force of all things. And, and a lot of that had to do with paying off debt as you acquire in school and then uh, getting an advanced degree. So uh, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, it's an experience as well. So uh, I got some um, experience speaking Spanish that way. And 2014, I left uh, the Air Force, went to the reserves um, and decided I wanted to go back into agriculture um, and joined Extension. And I can't even tell you why or how it was that I actually came across Extension. I thought, wow, what a great job. You get to just help people every day and you don't yeah. have to sell anything um, except right. soil tests and, and, right. and forage tests, you know, <laughs> but that's really it. So I uh, started in Grady County, did that for a year, moved over to Cleveland County. Really enjoy it. You get a really good mix of the urban and the very rural. It gets very rural going out of Norman pretty quickly. You have the very, very urban problems. Uh, actually, I've, I've had to deal with things like um, city runoff causing serious pond edge erosion, that kind of a thing. Um, and then all the way to 
um, how do I grow soybeans? You know, we're switching over. We want to do some irrigated beans, that kind of thing. How do I do that? That kind of a thing. So, so like a blend of oh, bourbon yeah. and big ag. Very, so, very much. I mean, runs the gamut. You know, uh, Jack of all trades, master of very few. So <laughs> yeah, I, I know a little bit about like a lot of things. So. Do you feel like that, Josh? I mean, is that kind of your, I mean, you, you mentioned maybe you have like 800,000 people Yeah, Oklahoma serve? County has around 800,000 plus people uh, and so if you do some some quick math that's like a f maybe a fifth of our state's population right here in my county so um, similar to Brad I, I think he probably has more traditional agriculture um, clientele that he serves we we certainly have that here in Oklahoma County especially if you get out to the eastern part of the county a lot of haying operations some wheat um, cattle but the day-to-day is um, just very diverse and and it's um, and and a lot of suburban urban rural continuum type stuff yeah. where um, you know we're we're talking neighborhood association ponds and um, small farms that are trying mm -hmm. to you got a living on a few acres and um, you know anything and everything in between and so that's kind of the the experience I would say that we have here. Um, but it's it's fun. Um, you each no no day is going to look the same as the day before, and you sometimes have a plan for the day, and you don't know you've got things coming through the door you weren't expecting, and so you kind of have to pivot. But it's a it's a, a great great career. Well, great backgrounds. I'm glad you guys shared with us. I'll and our keep listeners. pulling my accent out every once in a while. Then <laughs> <Yeah>. tell you guys. <laughs> okay, so we're coming together because. As Josh informed me, July is Smart Irrigation Month. Let's talk generally what that means to our offices, how those questions during the summertime relate back to that irrigation sort of topic. And in probably more landscapes is what we're going to focus on today. Yeah. So July is um, the Irrigation Association, which is a national association that kind of supports and provides education for agriculture and landscape industry uh, professionals has uh, kind of come out with this national campaign that the last probably decade or so has really gained some traction specifically in the landscape industry. And it's an opportunity for promoting and um, educating people about the importance of water use and efficient water use. And July is a great time because it's really here in Oklahoma, especially it's our hottest and driest time. So when we think about landscapes, it's a time when we're going to be needing to use water. If we're growing a vegetable garden, if we're keeping our lawns, uh, our flower beds nice, we're going to need some water. And so I usually think of July uh, when I think about my programming for the year as a, a chance to, to do some education around irrigation and it looks a little bit dif different each year but i usually will will do some sort of irrigation education in um, in july how does july and this dry time this hot time brad how does this look in your office um, even if you're not formally talking about it as an irrigation month i mean do you get questions and stuff coming in uh, we don't get a whole lot of hey i'm trying to save water my water bill um, water is cheap in, in Cleveland County. And so it, it's not something that people have this altruistic, you know, vision of I'm going to do everything I can to save water um, unless they're really pinching pennies and, you know, and, and trying to and trying to still keep their landscape looking nice, that kind of a thing. And so it ends up being kind of an indirect question. You know, it's it's a, hey, I'm trying to make my, my lawn nice and green, but it's not nice and green, you know. And so one of the questions that I always, the, one of the things I always bring up is, 
how are you irrigating? What does that look like? Um, how much are you putting on? When are you putting on? When are you putting it on? You know, what do you have a? What kind of system do you have? Is it manual? Are you out there with a garden hose with your thumb on the end, just squirting water wherever you can? <laughs> that kind of a thing. I mean, is that your irrigation system? I've done it. Well, there's all different types. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and aren't we fortunate here in here in you know central Oklahoma? Even I'm you know, from Kingfisher, we're a little bit more fortunate to have a little bit more rainfall and not have that have that problem that they have maybe in other states, Western states and that sort of thing. Usually for here, it, it always comes in one month, like, you know, May, beginning of June, and then, you know, it you, you, then it just shuts off. Yeah. I don't know how many times that's happened. I'm like, well, it's about mid-June, time for the water to shut off. Uh, then then you're just kind of preparing for, for those types of questions to start coming in, you know, all the associated questions that come with it. Heat, what's mm -hmm. that doing? So it's heat, water, disease, insects, you know, everything's coming at you at once. It seems like everything in Oklahoma is trying to kill you or the stuff that you're trying to eat or yeah. make look pretty for well, yourself. Well, and, and they're also interrelated, right? I mean, weather, climate has an impact in, in on a lot of those things, pest pressures, um, plant health and disease. And, and we go through cycles here in Oklahoma as well, right? So yes, we are more fortunate than some of our Western uh, neighbor states to have a little bit more abundant rainfall and, and more timely throughout the year. I think we get 34 inches of annual precipitation here in Oklahoma, but there can be some extreme variability even across Oklahoma uh, sure. in, in Eastern to, to Western parts of the state. And then even over periods of time, if we think back like five, 10 years, we can go through cycles where it's really dry and really hot and people are thinking about water and water issues. And then we go through seasons where, um, you know, we have rainy years and it's, it's less on people's minds. And so I think that when we think about water and water issues, you can, you can talk about it from a lot of different perspectives, but most people want to know simple things like how do I water my plants? So things look good, they grow, mm -hmm. but I don't have to pay a lot of money or think about it a lot. Right. right. And sure. so we have a variety of, like we said, a variety of irrigation methods. <laughs> but I think in the end, people really do want their lawn to look nice. You mentioned this earlier, but you've worked on a program where people come out and kind of look at their irrigation systems. Is that is that right, Josh? Yeah. So we we have an ongoing partnership with the city of Oklahoma City, and we have uh, over the years done some things uh, like this pilot program that you mentioned where we were going out and helping homeowners and homeowners associations to kind of assess their their water management on on green spaces and, and on their own home uh, lawns and helping them identify opportunities to to do that more effectively and more efficiently so that they not only save water and reduce water waste but also can improve performance and so that was a pilot program that we started and kind of tried out here in Oklahoma County, really, really successful. We worked with the city of Oklahoma City, city of Edmond had some great, some great experiences doing that. And I think helped a lot of people save, save water in, in their, their home landscapes. Um, the city of Oklahoma City still does a program like that for homeowners associations. And so they, they actually will send out some of their, their city staff to help do some investigations for communities maybe that are trying to be more efficient on how they manage irrigation on their shared green spaces. Um, but then we actually, as a, as OSU extension have kind of a whole fleet of, of resources and fact sheets that, that were developed that help people navigate this issue. So one of the things that I always recommend people doing, especially if you're 
buying a new home with a sprinkler system that you're not familiar with, or you have one installed and you're trying to get familiar with it, we have a, a fact sheet called uh, the Simple Irrigation Checkup for Home Sprinkler Systems. And it walks you through some very, very basic things like how to go to your controller and figure out, is it watering at the right times and the right lengths of time that you want and kind of how it helps you walk through and assess some basic issues that co could be going on so you can kind of have a roadmap for any improvements that you might need to make. Mm -hmm. Because there are some people that may not know how to make their sprinkler system. Yeah, right? it may have been installed few months ago, maybe a year ago, maybe longer than that. And you might not even realize or care to, or even know how to figure out how to make it work. All you know is that somebody came in, installed it and turned it on for you. And now you have to somehow manage it. And I had one friend down in Texas when I was down there with the Air Force, went over there after she had her system installed. And I asked her, so, you know, when do you have it running? It's like, I don't know. It runs sometimes. I see it going. I have to have this conversation with her about, do you know how it runs? Like, I don't know. I don't want to touch that thing. I'm going to break it. And, and and so we had to get past that because number one, there are certain rules that you have to follow when you're irrigating, especially San Antonio, because definitely not a high water area. And so, you know, they are only allowed to irrigate on certain days. And if you're not doing that correctly, you can get yourself in some trouble, um, get fines, that sort of thing. But at the same time, too, you know, if you're not irrigating um, your lawn at the right time, the right amount, that sort of thing, you can be you know, wasting wasting your money. Um, you know, it could be running down the sidewalk or you're not putting enough down at the right times. And so you've got this really shallow root system that's not drought tolerant. So or just being very uh, um, uneven with your irrigation system as well. So there's all kinds of things that need to be looked at if you want your lawn to look good. And then that's outside of worrying about the cost of it, that's usually why, why people are concerned or should be concerned about their irrigation systems is because they're trying to make something look nice. Yeah. I, I like to share, uh, this is an EPA, uh, US Environmental Protection Agency um, data point, but they say that about 50% of, of all the water that we use in residential applications across the United States is wasted due to inefficient watering practices. So we're watering when it's really windy, watering on a really high temperature, sunny time of the day. So a lot of it's lost to evaporation, watering hardscapes, using equipment that's leaky. All of those variables um, lead up to about 50% of all 50%? the water use. Yeah. Um, oh and then if you think about- That's shameful. Yeah. So if you will, <laughs> if you think about, think about that data point, if that's true for you, Think about how much you spend on your water bill. We know here in Oklahoma and in other parts of the United States, it's pretty similar. But here in Oklahoma, depending on where you're at, uh, residential areas in the summer months, the the water use outdoors is somewhere between 40 to 60 percent of the total water consumption in in um in communities and so if we think about your water bill if you if you're managing your landscape and your lawn if half of the water that you use is going out to your lawn and your landscape your flower beds your vegetable garden and then half of that is waste because of inefficient practices what's the quick napkin math on that one fourth of all the water that you use is waste that you use outdoors anyway is waste and so take a fourth of your water bill or whatever it is that it costs you to operate your system and and potentially that that one fourth is, is yeah and depending on where you are you right. may or may not care for that that's right. five bucks 
Right. But, <laughs> but I mean, to think about the amount. Yes, I mean, absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or you could use it more efficiently. Maybe you could grow better tomatoes or something. Right. I absolutely. Mean, like, yeah. like, or it's using it in a different way. So I think that's, that's an excellent, excellent Yeah, it's point. just a, a great talking point anyway to get people thinking about water and, and water use. And I think that one of the things that we we don't talk about enough is the fact that too little water can cause problems in our landscapes, but too much can cause problems as well. A lot of the disease issues that we see, um, especially in turf grasses, but in, in ornamental plants and stuff as well, uh, things like brown patch in, in tall fescue or maybe powdery mildew on um, ornamental landscape, vegetable plants, things like that. It's actually aggravated by too much irrigation or, or the timing of irrigation on really hot, humid times of the day. And there's that that humidity and moisture on plant surfaces is leading to those those aggravating of, of disease issues. And so when we think about managing water in our landscapes, it's really important not just to think about it from a I'm going to save water and money perspective, but you know, what are what's the actual impact of of this in terms of the plant performance and how I how my my lawn or landscape looks and performs. Okay, so let's let's workshop this. Okay, so let's just assume that we have a Bermuda grass lawn. Let's just use my yard as an example. Let's Dana Zook's yard. Is this so, a good example? Are you here? No, 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 no. <laughs> Consultation. Sure. Yeah. All the things that you've talked about already. I'm like, oh god, this might be. This is kind of a bad example, but. So I've got a Bermuda grass lawn. What are some things I should be thinking about? I think we've talked. To, we've mentioned soil. We've mentioned maybe how much water it might need and the timing. Let's look at those types of, those three things. I'm going to ask you, you know, are you irrigating your lawn? I am, um, Brad. I am you're, irrigating you're, you're irrigating. Yes, I am irrigating. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I and am. So, so my, my lawn, how, how, with how the sprinkler know? system or your hose the, on the end of the Yeah. I have a sprinkler system, although I've seen people do that. Uh, yeah, I have a sprinkler system. So what about my soil makes a difference in my irrigation? Well, depending on, on the rate at which the water's flowing, um, it could end up running off before it actually gets into the soil. So how quickly is it getting applied to your lawn? Um, so that's going to be important to know. Part of it is going to be observations. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you, like, how often is this running? Is it running once a week? Is it running every day three times? You know, uh, how often is this happening? Well, I'm concerned, Brad, because my neighbor's lawn looks really green and lush and mine is kind of on the peaked side, but we only irrigate once a week. Okay, how long? I think 25 minutes a station. 25 minutes a station, okay. Yeah. There's a lot of variables. Here. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot. But there's a lot. One, to, uh, yeah. Do you fertilize? That's another yes, question. Yes, we fertilize. Okay. We okay. fertilize okay. and we spray. But and so we try to. Is it based say on a soil test? <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. It's not based <laughs> on a soil test. Yes. Oh, man. I man. know. That's, we can talk about that, too. <laughs> That's some, some off-air uh, conversations yes, we need right. to have with you, Dana. But yes. What I start out uh, helping, it's very similar to Brad. When somebody comes in, there's a lot of there are a lot of variables that can go into any homeowner situation. And so we really do have to play some detective work and ask mm -hmm. some questions. One of the things that I will remind people of is that if we're talking about a Bermuda grass, full sun lawn, the recommended rate of irrigation is one inch a week during the, the summer growing season. Okay. Now that's before any rainfall. So of course, if we get rainfall or whatever, we need to look at the mesonet and other weather um, information that we take in and figure out how much rainfall we got and then do the math to figure out how much we need, you know, do we need to run our irrigation system? So right. and that's the a whole nother, a really good resource. It's a that. wonderful resource yeah. and, and a, a whole nother conversation we could have. But 
if if you want a, a simple rule of thumb that's that really is a, a generalization but a basic rule of thumb to consider if you understand the type of automatic sprinkler system components that you have you can kind of do some basic napkin math and figure out how long you need to run your system so okay. for instance if you've got a fixed spray head so they're spraying they're popping up out of the ground spraying yes. in a pattern and they're not moving they're stationary Just spraying, spraying. Like kind of like yep. mi- they're kind of like a mister kind of like right that. those okay. uh tend to to put out depending on the the brand and the components your pressure all those factors but tend to put out somewhere between one to one and a half inches of um of water for every one hour of runtime okay right so if you've you're trying to put out an inch of water over the week um, and you run it for an hour, that's you're, you've done that in you know 45 minutes to an hour, you've done that. So figure out how much you want to chop that up over the course of the week and you okay. might have 15, 20 minute run times to get you to to that. Rotors, which are the bigger ones that move across the yard and, and actually have a, a moving side to side pattern. Wiper, right, like that. those ones, okay. they put out water at actually a lower volume rate, typically um, somewhere between 0.75 to, to one. And so you're going to have a little bit less output with those so you may have to run them a little bit longer depending on your situation but those are some general rules of thumb so i'll ask people about what they have you know what is your system like do you have rotors do you have sprays that tells us a little bit of information that we can then use but then back to that your soil is really really critical and 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 brad um, mentioned that but if you have a very compacted heavy clay soil when you put out water if you run it for your system for 30 minutes you may reach a point where that soil can't take in any more water in that period of time and it's going to run off and so you have you may have to chop your run times up into smaller bits because of that so it sounds like my one time per week that would be fine but if the soil is compacted that would be too much so there's gonna be some observation yeah so so we need to be looking at it during like the morning hours getting up out of bed maybe a little earlier (laughs) not running it at two o'clock in the morning unless you like to be up you know, watching it, but putting our eyeballs on the sprinkler system to see how yeah. it's actually working. Yeah. Well, also too, you know, uh, pressure is going to be involved in that as oh, well. That's a good point. Pressure gauges, that sort of thing. But if you really just want a really simple way of figuring out how much water am I putting down, put a, put a rain gauge out there, you yeah. know, un- underneath your oh. irrigation system or tuna fish cans, yeah. like really shallow, a little, they're about an inch tall. See how long it takes to fill them up. Yeah, we have a great fact sheet. The simple irrigation audit for home landscapes walks you through that whole process. And it's a really, really great way. If you really want to nerd out and and dial in on how much your system is putting out, um, that's a great way to do it. And you said earlier when we were discussing before we started that actually too much pressure is bad, right? Too much pressure can be more problematic. Let's say that Um, you're not going to water as efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. So when somebody asks me, you know, there, when we talk about efficiency of water use in a landscape setting, there are all sorts of gadgets. There are fancy new um, sprinkler controllers that you can control with your phone or, you know, Wi-Fi based that automate all that management for you. And those things are great. And I think there's a place for those. I really do recommend that people use those things. But before you start spending a bunch of money on things like that, address some basic things that can save you tons of water and and do so without compromising the actual performance of your landscape. So if, if somebody says, give me one, one thing that I can do to save the most water in my automatic sprinkler system, you know, with my landscape, I say, have you assessed high pressure and address that? A good example of that, we have a, a fact sheet called managing pressure um, in sprinkler, home sprinkler system. There's been some, some work done, some research done, and, and it shows that pressure and actual water 
output con- usage are um, they're, they're, they run parallel. So as you increase pressure uh, in, in a system, you also increase the amount of water that's flowing through that those sprinkler components. You also decrease the actual performance of that um, in terms of efficiency. So you, so as like you, the coverage, right? Of so, the water. so okay. most uh, irrigation components are designed to operate somewhere between thirty and forty-five psi in a home sprinkler system. Okay, most of our specially municipally supplied water, but even home well water, can have much higher pressure than that. So we're talking here in Oklahoma City metro area when we did the the, the audits and the the pilot program we saw 60 to 100 psis as kind of very very commonly um, wow. and so when you see when you have a high pressure um, you are increasing the amount of water that you're using but you're decreasing the coverage that you get so you're actually getting because what happens is that as that pressure builds it volatizes those those water droplets become so small they become like a mist and they drift off in the wind and they don't hit the ground and they don't make it to the target and so how many times do you see that driving down the street yeah all the time all this four o'clock in the afternoon right yeah Yeah. anytime i mean you're just walking just just driving down the street and you see all this water being blown away in the in the air evaporating yeah right Mm -hmm. because of the heat yeah in the heat or just you know too much pressure you know, this system just ain't set up right. Yeah, most of the most of the examples that we have from the pilot programs we did here in Oklahoma County show that, and this is based on like 2015 water prices. So water prices continue to go up. Based on those numbers, cheap cheap water payback is usually you in terms of you pay yourself back in water savings by addressing uh, pressure in one to two years of water savings. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in communities where the price of water is much much higher than what people are paying here in um, central Oklahoma, the um, that payback would be even quicker. So we were basing those 2015 numbers were like three three to four dollars per 1,000 gallons of of water type prices. Uh, a lot of communities in central Oklahoma now have five, six, seven, even eight dollars per thousand gallons water uh, prices. So we're talking potentially double. Um, so yeah, the, the payback and, and the savings are really significant. I would just encourage people to go pay attention to that fact sheet. Go to our OSU uh, uh, extension website, extension.okstate.edu. Type in managing irrigation pressure in the search bar. It'll pop up and it just it will blow your mind the amount of um, efficiency that you lose in terms of just sheer water waste with having high pressure i i the what i like to say is how many things in life do we like to pay more for and get less of right we don't we don't like that and that's what we're doing when we have high water pressure because we're using more water and we're getting less results and so it's a it's a great kind of if we if we have one single action that somebody can take that's kind of where i I steer people so it sounds like i'm I need to do some things in my lawn. Um, I've got a few things I should improve on. Starting with the soil test. I will go home and get that taken care of. <laughs> yeah. So let's recap, okay? Water may, you know, the water bill, the cost of water, like Brad said, it may not be everybody's concern, but we do have lawns that we want to look nice. And Absolutely. So, so soil is a thing to think about. Water pressure that we just talked about is something to think about. You know, what's your type of lawn and, you know, how that works. Um, Brad, you said um, irrigation. How do we work our irrigation? Systems? Yeah, how do you actually have? <laughs> what am I leaving out? What are some other things that they could that they could really you know some quick fixes to think about over the next couple of months? Well, I think this isn't necessarily a quick fix over the next couple of months, but I think always if your if your concern is um, 
nice looking plants and and water efficiency and kind of the the balance between those two it's always a good idea to think about the plants that you're using and whether those are well suited to right the environment that you're trying to grow them in so getting to know your plants and and becoming a little bit of a horticulturalist and mm-hmm. picking plants that are going to grow in Oklahoma. Yeah. And if you're not that type of person, if you don't want to go to all that work, you come to the OSU Extension Office in any of your counties and and they can help you do that. There are some resources and we'll list them in the in the show notes. But one of those, Josh, you mentioned and and Brad, you talked about it, too, was the water efficient landscapes for Oklahoma, that E1051 um, really beautiful book. But you can also access it um, on the Web. Was that what you were telling me, Josh? Yeah, so this publication is really helpful. It breaks down just a list of plants that are lower water using landscape plants that are known to do well in Oklahoma. Um, And so really pretty pictures that walk you through um, information about the plant. And a lot of people will get this and just take it to the garden center and go go shopping and try to find plants in this. Um, But if you if you want to access it, you can get it um, in a, in a PDF form through the extension website. And then actually the city of Oklahoma city and the city of Edmond have a searchable database that's using the plants that are in this guidebook, um, on their city website so that people who are, um, residents of, of Oklahoma city or Edmond can, can access this. And anybody who wants to go on the web and, and do that can access those plant databases. You can set the filter. So you can say, I want a perennial or an annual, or I want, sun plant or a shade plant you set those filters and then hit search and it'll actually generate the plants that meet that criteria for you and actually one thing to mention about plants in general is that more isn't always better when it comes to water and plants uh, some plants are actually quite sensitive to being overwatered. Yeah. Um, one one good example, um, one of our um, Oklahoma Provens, the cattle maple. You can get them at Sunshine, Sunshine Nursery, a few other nurseries. But it's a tree, right? Yeah, okay. it, yeah. It, it's a, it's a full size tree. It's native okay. to Caddo County. It, it it does really well here. It is. Um, it, it can grow in any soil type, heavy clay. It, it actually um, is from the sugar sands that are over in Caddo County. Keep in mind too, you know, where it came from. It's used to being on the dry side. So if you decide that, hey, this tree is getting kind of big, you know, starting to shade out, you know, my lawn grass underneath, I'm going to start, you know, shade gardening. I'm going to start planting um, impatience and all these other water loving things and start irrigating heavily you're going to overwater that tree. And so you have to keep in mind that, yes, water efficient, that's that's wonderful. It's something we need to be doing. Um, But we also got to be thinking about what kinds of plants are we planting and making sure that we're not overdoing it. At one point in in my life, there was this assumption that you really can't overwater something that's in the ground. Well, I've seen people do it. Um, (laughs) You know, it's kind of like food is love with pets. Well, water is love with plants. And so even even in the ground, you can definitely overwater something. Yeah, that's a great point. That concept of hydrozoning, I think, is what, you know, what it's referred to is putting plants and grouping plants in your landscape and and manage and grouping the way you manage um, your landscape based on plant needs. And so some plants are going to prefer free draining soils and drier conditions. Some are going to be happy uh, with with wetter feet and you you need to be cognizant of that when you're selecting plants and where you put them in your landscape and how you're managing. And so for a lot of us, that's 
that's you know the the Dana Zooks of the world. That's a, that's a lot to think about. But yeah. Yeah. the information and the support and the resources are there for us through through our extension fact sheets. And so that's what's so cool about all the resources we have. Yeah. So perfect example, Brad. I think we've covered the gamut. Today. We have a lot more to talk about, but we'll probably have to cut it off there. If you want any, we'll put a ton of resources in the show notes. Josh mentioned some. Brad mentioned some. We'll put the um, water efficient landscapes for Oklahoma booklet kind of linked to that. This has been a great discussion, very timely for this summer. I hope everybody goes home and just maybe thinks about one or two of the little things. I know I've got about seven things I need to think about for my lawn. Uh, Go to your county extension office if you have any questions. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and water efficiently. 